you know what I was thinking before we um, started today? What was that, Will? I was thinking, it's good this, isn't it? It is good this, isn't it? I was thinking, it's good this, isn't it, John? It's good. It is good this. We're all it's back good. together. We're in Angel Gardens. A garden, the Garden of Angels. It, yeah. It's, isn't coffee, it? it's our coffee shop. Yeah. How did you come up with it? It wasn't your name, Angel Gardens. That was what no, it was no, no. Angel Gardens is the name of the building okay. that we're in. This is Pot Kettle Black. Pot Kettle Black. Sounds Great good. coffee shop. It sounds good. The name sounds good. It does. It sounds uh, mysterious. <laughs> it does sound mysterious. Yeah. And I'm going to keep it mysterious. I'm not going to tell you if you're listening and not watching whose voice that was before. I'm just going to keep you guessing. It's a nice voice, isn't it? It's a very it's calming mysterious. voice. Yeah, fish and make. chips. The guest is a very fish calm and chips. voice. Yeah. Mysterious. Say fish and chips for us. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. Fish and chips, bro. I don't know if fish. that's... Fish and chips. You sound a bit like Welsh. <laughs> I'd say more Welsh than Australian. Anyway, firstly, welcome back to Mike, who's been Mike, snowboarding. Mike Flanagan. Mike, how are you? How was snowboarding? Great. First time, because you, you don't get to snowboard a lot, do no, you? No, you, know? you play professional rugby. No, I spent a lot of time... Is that in the contract? No skiing, no, no snowboarding? No skiing, no snowboarding. Spent a lot of time on the piste. Um, three days, and then on the piece on as the well. Yeah. Afterwards, lots of beers, lots of falls. You're the best. I'm the best. Great time. Yeah, it was good, was it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. And John, you've been, uh, you haven't been snowboarding, but you've been upsetting people again. Have I? I don't yeah. know. Have I? Yeah, you've been upsetting um, the, the, the Cass fans. Oh, dear, why? You know, normally, it's the, who's he upset before? Derek Beaumont and Lee and, you know, there's a Me few other. and you. <laughs> Lee and you. We still need to set that charity fight up. But you, ha you have been upsetting the, the Cass fans. Oh, um, look how bothered he looks. Over, John, I'll tell you if you don't know, um, over calling out their defence against their, um, f f well, actually, and they, they won the game in the Challenge Cup against Leeds, but you called out their defence. So look, I thought I'd just, as we always do, just sort of just give you a flavour of what's on Twitter at the moment, because I know you're not on there. <laughs> Uh, this one from um, Davy Boy two four one one, which is a great Twitter He says, "Can it? we have?" Well, first up, he says, "Can we have a personal apology from Jamie Peacock and John Wilkin?" I know you can't apologise on Jamie Peacock's behalf. Uh, maybe we can in, in a couple, couple of weeks because yeah. he's coming on we the podcast. But um, apparently, Cass have no defence. Doesn't seem that way to me. So, will we get a public apology? No. It was uh, prior to that game. The defence was bad. But during that game, you were happy with it. No, <laughs> it was, it was, it's what you call pre-game comments, Will. Okay. So it was just pre-game, trying comments. to build a bit of a story. Yeah, just yeah. cast defended a well. narrative. What a lovely story yeah. it was. Yeah, it was a great story. A story. Sells papers, all sorts of... <laughs> it's lovely. Well, just look, comments pre-game, you know, I scroll down a little bit more. Don't shoot the messenger, but Holes says, uh, Jesus, John Wilkin loves the sound of his own <laughs> voice. A whole lot of confidence about coaching for someone who has no clue about it whatsoever. <laughs> Yawn face emoji. Uh, Lewis <laughs> says, you think John Wilkin was is an... He, um, is that a Super League coach? Who commented? Yeah, yeah. Is was, that, uh, what's his name? Uh, that was that was what's, Brian McDermott. What, yeah. <laughs> uh, this one from Lewis, he says, you think John Wilkin was an immortal the way he goes on? I'll just go through a few more. Kimber says, Wilkin is a tough listen. Jesus. Uh, Richard says, Wilkin makes Phil Clark sound impartial. Stephen says, does John Wilkin have any other crack except stating the obvious? David Mason, love this one, says, John Wilkin is a great advert for cancelling your Sky subscription. <laughs> Michael writes, John Wilkin has hair dye for breakfast. Yep, I'm not sure good. what that one is. A laugh yeah. from someone over there. That's well. obviously cool. touched in that. I'll take, I'll take the other jabs. But he's got personal there. That was personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple more. Uh, actually, quite a few people said just, just wrote John Wilkin and laughing faces. Yeah. Um, Jane Eyre. I don't know if that's the original Jane Eyre, but she wrote, um, "Please turn off John Wilkin's mic." 
love this one actually from Steve. He says, please, if you want to increase the number of rugby league viewers, don't ever let John Wilkin near a microphone again. <laughs> it was embarrassingly bad, utterly unbalanced and tactically clueless. And last one, um, FPL Stoop Tiger simply says, John Wilkin wow. is a right fucking bell end. Wow. Very so, balanced. It's the flavour. It's just the flavour. Was I? I don't think they were all cast fans. John. Some, some good and some. There's a range some of so the range of the teams in Super League. Lovely. Well. And, and we isn't should. It ni- isn't it nice knowing what everybody thinks about you? But look, if they're talking, it's good. If they're talking about you, it's good. No one's talking about us. I mean, there's no, nothing no, about no you. Put, you put, me, you put I, Mark, I, Mike I, Flanagan's I, name in and Will I, Perry. I, nothing I comes up. I disagree wholeheartedly on that. Will. Nothing comes up. There's nothing in the stuff from like 2014. I disagree wholeheartedly. Nothing said about you. You know as well. Anyway, look, Will. What? Anyway, you know. Should we, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Hey, we want to play to Will Perry next for no, next no. week's show, couldn't yeah, we? We could it. do that if that's we want to to Will's level. Yeah. 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 I might not do it, but Will yeah. knows. That's yeah. all I need to say. <laughs> I don't know what he that means, knows. but I'm just laughing. Yeah. Um, look, we should say welcome to this week's guest, who is, by the way, a, a rapper, a, uh, a commercial pilot, a crypto billionaire, uh, who also happens to play a little bit of rugby league as well. well so we have, essentially, we've got role. two former loose forward West Tiger players and two Salford one former captains in the studio yeah, today in the studio <laughs> in the studio in the, studio. In the garden of angels please welcome John the Salford Dev- Red Devils the current captain yes Mr. Elijah Taylor everybody hey. welcome Elijah look at him thanks E-T. for having me thanks Elijah look e- E.T. phone home no, I've heard that a lot. Have you? I've heard that like, my whole life. But no, did that thanks too. for having me. It's cool. No, it's good cool to have you in, mate. It's really good to have you in. We've got so much to talk about. Um, firstly, growing up in New Zealand and a place called Hawera. Am I pronouncing that right? Hawera. 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 Which, when I looked at, has a population of 10,000 people. That's a, a small, small place. What, what was that like growing up there? I mean, and just... just because, I mean, people that listen to this podcast, we, you think we're stupid. There's a lot of idiots who listen to this. Just paint the picture of Hawara for us. So I was born in Hawara, but 20 k's down the road, it's a small, smaller town called mm. Party. I remember my primary school. There was about 40 kids at my primary school, and that was from eight years old up to, like, 12. Mm. And then it was a really small town. I grew up on a farm, dairy farm. Um, yeah, not many neighbours. You had to catch a bus to school. The bus trip was like an hour to get to school because you had to do a loop to pick up all the kids. So it was a lot different uh, growing up in New Zealand, uh, country town. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the memories I, I had growing up on the farm. Uh, I'll never forget them. But no, it's just good to be here in Manchester. It's very similar. Like the weather, um, the people, it's pretty chilled. Mm. So... Yeah, I'm enjoying it here. When you say growing up on the farm, I'm always interested in that as well because John, as he likes to tell people, grew up on a farm. He was a, he's, he was a son of a pig farmer. Pigs. Oh, really? uh, Phil, if you haven't met Phil, big shovel hands. He grew up <laughs> shoveling yeah. pig shit, basically. Proper, yeah. Proper man. But um, I remember interviewing Bevan French, obviously Aussie Bevan French, but he grew up on a farm and, and he, again in a, in a place where there were, I think the, it was a, what we would call here a hamlet where there were like 300 people. Yeah. I mean, that's very different because you've lived in Sydney, you're now living in Manchester. It's a very different experience for you. It is. And I think, um, you know, just being real grateful, we didn't have much on the farm. But when you grow up on the farm, you have to make your own entertainment kind of thing. You have to, I don't know, go build tree huts or go help dad on the farm. We, we grew up on a dairy farm, so dad was milking early in the morning. And then we're milking late at night after, or sorry, in the afternoon after mm. school. So there was always work to be done uh, growing up on the farm. And even on the weekends, you'd go hunting or go shooting or go fishing down at the creek, catch some eels. There was always something catch to do. Catch eels? Yeah, they're like like snakes in the water kind of thing. Wow. 
Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if they're here, but no, we have. We have yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do we have eels in Manchester? Uh, we know what jelly yeah. deals. We got jelly <laughs> deals. Yeah, yeah. Thing, but yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was like growing up. Um, nice memories on the farm. Yeah, it's good yeah, memories great, with all great my brothers. Great childhood. That yeah. sounds like sort of Forrest Gump days, isn't it? Yeah, those <laughs> days. Yeah, I can't imagine people living those days, especially in the UK anymore, mm. with Xboxes and TVs and stuff. That very organic, simple way of life is probably. I think the country, the past, in the country, yeah. I, th I yeah, think. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think the countryside has a lot to offer. I, I think young people, like, I think it's an amazing. Like, I love my childhood because I was in the countryside. Like, it's an amazing space to just, you know, play, explore. Mm. It's safe. You know, you can do all these things, and and there's no pressure. There's less antisocial behaviour, less crime, and all of that. It's. I loved living in the countryside. Yeah. yeah. I actually feel for people who are brought up in cities. To yeah, some extent, same. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, wow, what do you do? You like yeah. bred in captivity. Mm. You know, things. There's danger everywhere. There's like, and I just think, wow, like. You're back in the countryside now, aren't you? Really? Yeah, I, I'm. I don't like cities. No, I, I don't, don't. But I have to I work in one. I, 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 yeah. I, no, I agree with you. I hate working in the city. I live in London, and I hate it. Yeah. I'd rather be on my own on Elijah's farm. Yeah, there's something to it. The isolation of countryside for me, as in a law, I like. I like that. I, I'm always attracted to it, mm. whereas the cities are so intense and busy. I actually think it's easy to get lost in a city, as in like lose yourself. People reinvent themselves, go to a city, and you know it's easy. You know a lot of people disappear into cities and, and change. Whereas the, I think the countryside forces you to actually reflect on actually who you are. You know that, mm. and if that that's pretty deep, but that's. That's why I've gone back to the. We like to, yeah, you know, we, again, yeah, we like so we like true. talking about your pencil dick, and then the next minute we're, yeah, we're talking great. about you know the meaning Depth. of life, great. which we'll get to later. Um, Elijah, so much I want to ask you, and I know we've only really got about an hour, but we will lock the doors until we're finished, oh, so good. there's no leaving. No um, I, I, what I really wanted to ask you first up is because you, you're from married descent, yeah? yeah, and I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, or they've heard people of, you know, of married descent, but they don't really know what that means. So try, try and explain what it's like being a Maori. And I, and I was actually looking into this and um, you'll know m far more than me, but the sort of the history of the Maoris I, I find quite fascinating. A, you know, a group of people that came over from East Polynesia in the sort of 1300s by canoe to, to New Zealand and settled there over a period of years. What does it mean for you to be a Maori? And um, is that something that's, you know, a, a sort of daily presence? How, how proud are you to be of Maori descent? Yeah, so the the Maoris are indigenous people of the of the land of New Zealand. Um, you know, rich history, um, a lot of I suppose intertribal warfare that happened between different tribes now. But that's all gone. It's um, no, I'm, I'm really um, proud to be uh, a Maori, and it's uh, you know, it's just. I don't know. I don't know how to elaborate more on that. But, it's no, but I guess like it's, it's people who've come from, and it's so long ago, but it's people who've come from hardship and, and the fact that there's still, you know, obviously in Australia as well and, and all the islands, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing in that part of the world, which we're, we're kind of oblivious to, really, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's nothing, I, I don't think it's anything like different, like compared to like growing up, if I grew up just a Kiwi in New mm. Zealand, like uh, a Pakia. Um, like the Maldives were, were treated I grew up everything was normal like like mm. normal living it was 
what I will say, like the culture, I think the culture is pretty cool. It's, it's pretty different. Um, we went to Kohanga when I was young. Like we did the haka every morning. Like did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to do the haka every morning, and that was like your first thing at school is, is learn another haka or learn a. So when you say to, at school, so so you, this is like. Assembly used to do a haka. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was but just in the normal. non-indigenous people would do that as well in your school. Or was yeah, and if they weren't indigenous, like you still do it, like the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah of course. Yeah, everyone knows the haka like when you're yeah. a toddler, and that's when you want to be an All Black because yeah. they do it, and that's why New Zealand. And that is a Maori just, dance. The, the yeah, haka, yeah, yeah, it's a walk. There's yeah. something yeah. so special about that in, in life and in sport. <clears throat> I think people are, nowadays are really self-conscious, but when you see a haka. They just completely lose themselves in the emotion of mm. of the meaning behind it and the pride uh, of the country and and the people. And I think, yeah, what's it what's it like doing it? Because I, I couldn't imagine being an English lad. I, I couldn't imagine resonating with a, a tribal dance the way that you guys probably. I, I don't think I'd be that scared if you did the hacker in front of me on a pitch. Because you know, with the tongue out, just be, know, if, yeah. if, compared to John Alamu, be, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? So. Mm. Yeah, so like when you when you're when you're young, um, you you learn it off by heart. You learn all the actions. You learn the new one, the next one, and then it's just normal. Like mm. I suppose you get quite passionate, quite emotional, especially when you do it before a game. Like if you need to pick me up to get get up for a game, yeah, like an international game. Like that's better that's, than any team talk, that isn't it? That's that's all you need. Yeah, like I got goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really special and it's yeah, it's really special just a New Zealand mm. culture thing. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows you're from New Zealand and um, everyone's familiar with it. They must be... Yeah. It's an amazing Zealand. thing to, to face, you yeah. know, prior to a game. You, you faced about, it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think yeah. about it, it's, it's crazy because rugby league is an aggressive sort of sport and it's an, an emotional sport and you've got to get yourself in a certain position mentally before you play it mm. and and i always found like that the hacker is is an incredible thing to stand opposite but i almost think is it like an unfair advantage mm. <laughs> you know you've got this huge opportunity to like everybody connect and get really united behind something and yeah. and i think like you were saying flash i think we miss some of that like we've got mm. the national anthem but it, we don't really no get behind it as much and, and I always looked on with envy at the hacker is like well because the monarchy's so divisive anyway isn't it and you know it's not yeah. it doesn't unite everyone detached now detached from the country I think detached from the country and the people were you see even in um, they have an all stars game in Australia where it's the indigenous Maori people against the indigenous aboriginal Australian people and they mm. both have the war cries the war dances and because they resonate and they feel like the, the history of their people whereas I don't think the national anthem in Mm. UK, Europe probably has that same. Um, it's too political, isn't it? Rather than actually historical. Just a song, isn't it? Yeah. But there's more, more to this. We we'll yeah. just pick that. We'll pick one. Pick a new song. Pick, no, pick a dance. Like pick, we'll a pick a dance. Yeah. Something. Turn it into the house. I'm trying to think of if we have an actually a sort of the Macarena, but that's Spanish, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or. <laughs> YMCA. should do the Macarena. Really, I think the, the crowds must get you up though, like the oh, English crowd, the chanting. Yeah. I remember yeah, we were my too first busy fighting and you know causing no, trouble. Oh, my no, first no, game at Cass, I played Cass. There's a pl- Friday there's night. Police there, fighting yeah. already, yeah. fighting outside. But, um, Welcome to Manchester. Get him off the field. Just get the crowd, the field, eh? Dirty, the crowd yeah. is. Is like, that different? Really so different. different. Really so different. different. Mm. I remember my first game here in England. We played against you in Hull. Uh, I was playing for the Kiwis. John Wilkin, Hull. 
No, so no, no. He he was playing for England. We all played in Hull. Yeah. 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember the crowd and I've first time playing in front of an English crowd. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, what's this? Because they were just chanting the whole game. Like they mm-hmm. didn't, did not be quiet one bit. And they <laughs> it's won. Not, it's not like that in Australia New Zealand, is it? It's dead quiet yeah. in Australia. Yeah. It's why so is quiet. That? Why, is it diff- why is it such a different atmosphere? I was, I'm interested mm. in I don't that. Know. Good question. Australian know, sports honestly, have no. got a different view on like how they... Because the atmosphere, what's the atmosphere like in an NRL game? Like when you're playing, you can't hear anything. It's, it's so quiet, unless yeah. there's a try. Yeah. But over here in a Super League game, the crowd's going crazy the mm. whole time. The singing, chanting. It's so awesome. Like it's, it's such an experience. Yeah. Like Cast Friday night round one. That was cool because I've never played there before. The changing rooms are crazy. <laughs> that was an eye-opener. Oh, that was an eye-opener. But the crowd, like, the yeah. crowd was awesome. Cass actually is one of my, was my, one of my favourite away grounds because the, the sidelines here and the terracings there and the slagging you off, the yeah. showering at you, yeah. and the atmosphere is absolutely brilliant. You need hiking boots to get even to the try line, don't you? Yeah. It's not, not very even, yeah. that pitch. Sorry if the Cass grounds was listening. It's it, was, it was better than Leichhardt overall, like, that Friday night game. It was mm. the crowd chanting was crazy. It was awesome. Something special about English sport that yeah. that we, yeah. take, we take it for granted. granted. Special inverted commas. Well, it's not meta, is it necessarily? It's just special. No, it's unique. You know, maybe Very that is unique. our war cry. Yeah. You know, we're saying we don't have a, a specific thing before the game. Well, one of our things is the atmosphere during a game, which mm. which is is is. You know, if you if you New Zealand playing at Hull in front of twenty five thirty thousand English fans, that in itself is intimidating, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and that's maybe our secret weapon mm-hmm. is the fans, the ferocity yeah. of our fans. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget that because that, that sticks in my memory. Yeah. The, the crowd just chanting the whole game. It was my, I think it was my debut as well, and I was just like, wow, yeah. this is cool. Well, you played a lot of union as a kid, didn't you? Yeah. Um, you played for teams in Taranaki and Northland and in Auckland. And I mean, you've already mentioned the All Blacks because I imagine being a New Zealander, being a Kiwi, you know, when you watch that 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 All Black team play. I mean, whether it was this year or twenty years ago. So you're thirty. You probably don't remember Jonah Lomu like no, yeah, absolutely crawling over yeah. Mike Cat in the Rugby World, World Cup. Cup and, yeah. Do you remember that in '95? Yeah, 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 definitely. Did, yeah. So did did you was the dream always to be an All Black? Always. Every kid in New Zealand that's probably playing rugby league now they probably wanted to be an all black when they were young but they got signed to a rugby league club so every young kid you see come through the new zealand warriors they've mm. all probably played union or first 15 because it's so big it's such a religion back in new zealand it's uh you know the world cup you talk about the world cup you know school stopped to watch the game um or they'll cancel a lot of things because mm. the all blacks are playing um, so that's uh, just so in New Zealand again. I'm asking stupid questions, but because in, in Australia, rugby union is not the number one sport. No, but in New Zealand, all. it is. It is yeah. by far. By far, it's similar here. Like football is number one here. Yeah, rugby league's tiny in New Zealand. It's mm. it's really small. Like that must be not. a challenge for for the Warriors or, or for rugby league in New Zealand. Then if it's got such a big like the All Blacks and rugby union is yeah. such a big competitor mm. to get over the top of it yeah. so that'll be the challenge for them all the time and I've read that book Legacy have you read Legacy no no oh you've no, read it Mark yeah, amazing yeah, no. but, but, but again kind of the mindset of the All Blacks and to me tell me if I'm wrong but the whole country kind of adapts the, the mindset of the All Blacks yeah you know, the, the, the collection of islands in the country yeah, it's because, a cultural yeah. icon isn't it yeah. for the country yeah. it's, it's a real uh, just a flag that they all look towards and kind of um mold everyday life on the mm. stuff like brushing the change rooms after they finish that's a real lesson for people 
in, in, in New standards. Zealand. Well, standards. Well, just say yeah. this actually, Elijah just turned up here tonight and, and shook everyone's hand behind yeah. the camera. Yeah. Like, whether him embarrassing him or not, that's like classy, whether that's just, you know, part of. Oh, DNA Mark hasn't even said hello to them and he's been working with them for four years. <laughs> I was there at three o'clock, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's good. No, that is good. I did yeah. notice that, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, am I right in saying you didn't play league till, till you were about 16? 18. Yeah, 18. 18. So, what position were you in Union? Uh, open side flanker. So, I, everybody loves Union back home. Like, even the secondary schools, they don't want first 13 teams at their secondary schools. It's only mm. first 15. It's crazy how they, how they look at it, but... I think um, the Warriors, they've got a lot of kids to choose from. The best first 15, and there's some great first 15 talent. So NRL clubs just fly, the scouts, they fly to first 15 games in New Zealand mm. and just sign you know, Roger Tuivas-Shex. They go sign Conrad Horrells. They go sign them when they're like, I don't know, 16 years old mm. on a first grade contract and then get them into their NRL system. So Was that difficult though, to having not played it, to, to, to learn that quickly? Because you know, to, to, oh. that's quite that seems to me quite late. It's 18, yeah, 17, oh, 18. League's a simple game. Like it's a really simple game. It's but it's just mentally and physically a lot. I believe a lot tougher um, mm. on, on your body. It's hard to go in the other way. Technical. Yeah, technical I heard that. Yeah, 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 especially if you're a forward. It's yeah, it's there's not many that mind. go the other way, are there? Really? No, because it's very different games for Gareth Thomas. Yeah, not many. You could have been in much more technical position than than flanker though you know, yeah so. I was young I just wanted to so you just competing hard yeah all the time that's the essence of that position yeah, you know, just, yeah. just competing all the time yeah I think that, that puts you in good stead to play in the middle playing rugby league because that's you got to do that or you're going to get run over or mm. you know you got to have that were, yeah. were, you a, were you a Sonny Bill Williams fanboy a bit like John yeah I loved him I are you still him. in contact with Sonny Bill is he, is he no. since he left he's not not really been in touch mate no, I'll check my uh, voicemail. <laughs> Maybe you thought that was going to be the beginning of a you know friendship. Yeah. I don't think it did well. No, no, he did. No, he did. No, he did. How was it? Well, let me talk about that. No, 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 no. How was it? How was it at Toronto when Sunny came and then like yeah. what, what was it like? It's, like, it's crazy, isn't it? Because yeah. like well, I don't care who you are in rugby. No, he's a hero. He's a legend. Yeah. Look, there's people who walk into rooms and have charisma and a personality that's bigger than the room that they walk into and he's one of maybe three or four people that I've ever witnessed in rugby league maybe even bigger than that yeah. where they walk into a room and they've just got that and they captivate mm. everyone's attention mm -hmm. yeah. and the weird 100%. thing was for to do that at a club like Toronto which was full of essentially championship players from a lower division mm. Was it was even more magnified? He's not walking into a, a really established dressing room, so for him to walk in, it was, mm. it was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, just to go back on your point, Mark realised Sonny Bill was in Manchester, and you should oh. see the string of messages he sent to me <laughs> to get his number to, to get, get him on the tickets, podcast. Is this like the Noel Gallagher story? To get tickets for a boxing match. To get that's absolute bullshit. Remember, <laughs> when, you, remember when you offered Noel Gallagher free vouchers for the coffee shop and he yeah, told you to fuck off. <laughs> but on his on his name, you know, that someone like that was he kind of an inspiration in terms of that crossover which we were talking about. Yeah, definitely. He was especially 2004. I think when the Bulldogs were like the dogs of war and they used to um, you know, be the best in the competition for mm. three years there. Like every young kid wanted to be Sonny Bill Williams. Um, he was skillful. He put on big hits. Like he's 
it was like box office as the like, gun, wasn't it? Everything. It was boxer. I mean, oh. he was a boxer as well, wasn't he? Yeah. He was just like, if you could make a rugby league player that could just sell headlines, yeah, do a highlight reel on, it was him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. By you, far. You, you had 10 years, I think, didn't you, in the NRL? And there may be more years after you, you've left Salford. Who knows? What, what are your experiences? This is a massive question, but your experiences on and off the pitch, having had that long in the NRL? Yeah, so NRL is a very, you know, very tough, demanding competition. Every game is like really hard, um, you know, physically, mentally. Um, seasons are quite demanding. The training, the pre-seasons are, they're getting even harder. Like when I started, like pre-season training wasn't that bad, but now it's just every club trains like Melbourne now, like wrestle sessions two times a week, sometimes three times a week, you know, full contact on the field all the time. Um, yeah, so it was really hard on the field, but off the field, um, yeah, I managed to you know, look after my family and um, yeah, look at things of our life after football. Um, so I was very, very fortunate in that way. But um, yeah, a lot of good memories, obviously debut um, and then higher honours debut were some highlights of, of the career, but I really enjoyed it. But towards the back end, it just got really tough because training just, yeah, it just went, like, you need to be in the right place mentally, don't you, to, to cope with such oh, tough training yeah, through the week. Because yeah. I reckon we can all, when you're playing, Flash, you can deal with tough games, can't yeah. you? You can but turn it, it on when you're up. When you by the to. back end of my career, it was the weeks, the days in the week that really challenged me yeah. mentally more than... Yeah. You know, I, you can get up for a game. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's, it's a young man's game, I think, especially in the yeah, NRL, because true. when you're young, you're just full of energy, you just want to compete all the time, but... When you've done thousands and thousands of tackles and run thousands of miles yeah. during pre-season, it just the motivation just dwindles a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's probably what ET's referring to when you get a bit older and it just starts to fade. Yeah. It anyway. It does, yeah, it does but, start but hold on, I, just, I want to come in there because I, I'm sure you said when you first joined Salford that Super League was more physical. Yeah, like um, the Fords, like physically, like they wrestle, like the squeeze. Mm. I don't know, just they're just stronger over here if they feel stronger. Mm. Um, but, but you've got your equivalent of your poorly poorly smashing into people there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, I don't know. It's different. Like there's more like footwork back in the NRL. There's more footwork and trying to find your front. Where over here, it's just like big bash, bodies. bash, yeah. big bodies running mm. straight. Like not much support runners with you. So good luck. Mm. Um, <laughs> but that's what I've noticed. The physicality here is that. That's why I believe like English forwards do really well back in the NRL because yeah. they're physically ready for that um, confrontation. And, and that, what about, again, contact. off the pitch? And I know you, you said there, my sort of ears pricked up a little bit when you went on and my, looked after my family because obviously you get, get paid so much more over there. And, you know, the, obviously the stars, the equivalent of being a star over there compared to here is is just polar opposites. But but the scrutiny off the pitch, and like we all know the Burgess boys, don't we? And, yeah. you know, George is in the papers right now for bits and pieces. And, you know, Sam's been through his stuff and... Um, is the magnifying glass just so much more intense there? Yeah, uh, the pressure is a lot more uh, back in back in the NRL. There, probably number one sport in Sydney is probably rugby league, and every game is televised. Every game is lived. Uh, it's chopped up during the week. Like every seven o'clock, there's an NRL show on Fox Sport Channel Nine, you know, YouTube channels, social media. Um, it's it's very. It's in high demand. It's watched by a lot of people. Mm. So there's a lot of criticism that comes alongside that. But do you feel that. people then, you know, you feel journalists and you feel people coming for you? Uh, 
not so much for me because I was a back rower. Like, yeah. But I could see it with our halves. Um, you know, they're under the pump all the time. The glory boys. Yeah, like our fullbacks are under the pump all the time. Sometimes the props are. But when you're a back row, like, all you got to do is turn up and do your job, like, and work hard. But, but you make a mistake off the pitch and, and they'll find you. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, saw that with Josh Reynolds, like, two years ago, I think. Like, they were just after him. I remember one time we landed uh, from Brisbane and we all drove out in our cars in the car park and there was a police car. We all drove past and they waited for Josh Reynolds' car and then they, and they flashed the lights. So it's just stuff like mm. that. You're just like... But John, let's face it here. I mean, you, could, you could basically do what the fuck you want here and no one really cares. But that's the, I suppose that's the sad thing. I think that, that pressure and scrutiny is, is a challenge, but it's also a symptom that the competition's vibrant and that the sport is very popular, you know? Mm. Elijah says about those highlight shows, the clips being on national television, being on the main channels, being pumped into people's psyches all the time. All Ultimately, the time. that's the aim, isn't it? All really, for any sport. Mm. So as the sport improves and gets better commercially, scrutiny increases, and that's what we want. Mm. I, I think I, I'd love it if it was like that here, but it's not, you mm. know? And, and it's kind of nice because it isn't. Because they'd it. have a field there. Well, well, no, yeah, it, it, but you know, football, football, is, <laughs> football is the exact equivalent, isn't it? You know, for example, yeah. I don't, you don't know your football that much, Elijah, no, but you know, Phil Foden, soccer, soccer, yeah. soccer. Phil, right. we don't call it. I'll translate. We'll put you in the stocks and throw fruit at you right. if you call, us, call cool. it that. But you know, Phil Foden, for example, is an England star. He plays for Manchester City. They're playing as we're here tonight. Atletico good, Madrid in the Champions team. League. He he went for a nice quiet night a few nights ago, uh, a few weeks ago, to watch the boxing in the arena just next to us here. And some people found him and, you know, tormented him and followed him and chased him and said nasty things about his wife and his mom and his family and whatever. And as the culture we're in now, you know, they, they sort of tormented him and poked the bear and poked yeah, the bear till yeah, the point yeah. where he didn't react, but his, his missus did and it was his mum his did. And then, you know, his mum ended up pushing someone and it becomes a huge, wow. huge story. And that's, yeah. it's, that's the culture we're in, isn't it? And I well, imagine that, that's the same for NRL yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. That's the ugly side of the scrutiny, isn't yeah. it? Is mm. that, but when you're in the public eye, right, people, you've just read out loads of, tweets which you know you when you're in the public eye you can't be surprised when people have a shot at you mm. you just can't be and and it sometimes it's it's valid and sometimes it's not but if you're in the public eye it's coming one way or another mm. and the, i think the big difference between super league and the nrl is there's just more people yeah. who are out to sort of scrutinize what you do and that wouldn't suit somebody like myself mm. I wouldn't enjoy that, but also then the money comes with it. You know, it's like mm -hmm. hand in hand. You can't have and it's one ref without it's you. a reflection of society rather than sport or rugby league, whether it's Super League or the NRL. It's just fame. Did you feel that when you went there? Because you went to West Tigers. <coughs> did you know? I know you went the the, the glory boy and the halfback no, and whatever. But did you, did like you feel England, no more, one has a clue? No, but I did am. you feel more pressure than having when, when when you were at Wigan, for example? Not really, but I, my teammates, I could see so much more pressure on them. Mm than anybody I played with in England. So mm. I was lucky enough to play with you know, Benji Marshall, who was the highest paid player, highest profile player in the NRL at the time. He would get followed all the time when we go for a coffee or we go for a night out and he'd have good stuff said about him and bad stuff. Mm. And he'd just be a constant. Now it opened my eyes um, and I could, I could see what someone had to have to deal with, but that's, and you mentioned football before. That's why footballers don't mix and interact with the everyday man because mm. they get subjected to abuse when it's just not war warranted. And that's why the, the, there's a massive chasm between high profile professional athletes and 
the public because it's a sad reality of being a, a star, reality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just mm. it's not how, how I would like to live my life. Well, let's get away from that because we, we could be on that for hours. That's sub, that subject. What I'm really interested in with you, and this is what I love about this podcast, especially with people that we've never met before. But when I was reading up about you, you spent 15 months when you were at West Tigers training to be a commercial pilot which I love, and, and, and you are a fully trained, you know, this is something that you could do post-rugby. So I guess the first question is, where, where did the passion for that come from? Where did the love for being in the skies come from? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a passion. I was just worried about what I'm going to do after footy. Like, I was 29, I think I was, and I was thinking, like, if my career finishes, I, I don't have... I ain't got anything to fall back on, and so that was that was my main motive because I got you know a lot of responsibilities, family, etc. And I was just thinking I got to get this done, just in case you know I get a really bad injury and I can't play footy anymore. So did that someone was, start that in your mind? You know, thinking like that was there a reason why you started to just think about the end? Because I started getting dropped from Madge right. at Tigers, so I was playing pretty good footy, and then Madge came. And then I was kind of on the outer. And then I was thinking, man, like a lot of young boys coming through the Tigers ranks as well. So that makes you like laser focused. We were talking about that yeah, just before yeah. about your cafe. And it just makes you really, you know, think about, oh, I've got to focus here because I've got responsibilities and there's life after footy. And um, that just made me um, study as hard as I can in between trainings. And after training, um, just trying to get that uh, ticket, so I've got something to fall back on if, you know, I get a really bad injury. But but but, how, but why the flying? Why why a pilot? I just thought it'd be a job where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be keen to go to. Like I'd I'd be like, oh yeah, sweet, where are we going today? Or where are we flying today? Mm. Um, I just always thought that my uncle's a pilot um, in Rarotonga, Uncle Sean. Uh, oh, shout so you out, had, shout you, out to Uncle Sean. Yeah, shout <laughs> out to Sean Willis. Um, so, you did, so you had it in the family. Because I'm just thinking, because my, my stepdad was a pilot for 35 years, and you, you need to have, you know, a mathematical background, a sort of a geographical background, all these things. I mean, we'd all love to be a pilot, wouldn't we? I'd love to be, I'd love to be the pilot in Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio. But it's not quite the reality. It's funny you say that, because I thought that as well. Um, but I was talking to a former player. His name was Ben Harris. He used to play for the Dogs. He played for Bradford, Bradford for a while. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he's a captain at Qantas on an A320. And uh, we had a coffee, uh, I had a coffee with him at Tigers training one time. And he just said, I'll, I'll give you advice and I'll, I'll help you out if you, if you need it. And um, he was saying that, because I was worried about the maths, I was worried about all that, all that mm. stuff. And he was like, just, just study hard, focus on um, the books and you can relate your pre-season training hard work and just switch it for study. It's boring study, but uh, he, he did it. And he said, oh, yeah, I could do it. If, and um, yeah, I just studied hard. Because yeah, you, you said you were 29. And obviously, you know, as we're recording this now in 2022, you're 32. So it was kind of just pre-COVID and whatever, you started having these thoughts. And during COVID, you racked up 200 command hours, as they call it. And, yeah. you, and you, you had to go through nine exams. I mean, this isn't something that you just go like, do you know what, John, I fancy being a pilot. I'll put myself down to the pilot, you know, just pilot yeah, have, a, have a little yeah. fly, see if you can do it. You know, this is, it's intense, it's serious. And, you know, once you commit to doing it, you've, you know, it, it costs a lot of money. It, it's, it's a lot of hours. You've got four kids. It's, it's a huge commitment. Yeah. So, um, like, thank the NRL, they helped me out. They really encourage you to 
go and study or go and find something. So NRL helped me out um, financially. But uh, yeah, COVID was, was pretty much helped me out because I needed to get those command hours in order to get a license. So uh, it was pretty boring. So down in Shell Harbour, down in Wollongong, just is it, by the way, this isn't boring. Like, it's pretty yeah. boring. I just tried, yeah, just trained to be a commercial pilot. Yeah, no, it was, that's not boring. Like some of the exams, you'll see it and you'll just be like, "What is that?" Like, yuck! Just graphs, yeah, maths equations, everything. But um, you're just doing the same flight over and over again, trying to clock up hours as, as yeah. quick as you can. Um, the gas is cheap because COVID was there, and Australia we didn't go into full lockdown like you guys did here. Mm. I remember watching it, but. Um, Again, the motivation was if I have a bad injury, I've got nothing to fall on yeah. and I've got responsibilities. So this is, this is genuinely something that you're you know, planning to do full-time. This is your captain, Captain Taylor. You, you know, we, we, could, we could be flying Taylor. Qantas <laughs> to Sydney and you could be flying that plane. That, this uh, is something you're going to take seriously after rugby. Yeah, definitely take seriously because wow. a lot of um, yeah, a lot of effort they went into it. And, um, I'm not going to do all that effort for nothing. And what are the next steps? Do you have to do more more hours? Is uh, it more? I've got to do my ATPL exam. So there's uh, seven exams. Uh, small world. I was talking to my doctor at Salford. His son's Tim. Uh, oh, the old guy. Paxton. Yeah, yeah, Paxton. His son. The Neil. old guy. So he was. He's got, a, got a young guy and an old guy. Doctor. He's a British Airways pilot. And like small world, he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, do your ATPLs here, and I could try and get you into the BA British Airways." So uh, that'll, that'll be the next step, maybe. It's quite a responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I speak to my stepdad about it, and he's seventy odd now. British, he was British Airways and had to retire at fifty-five. I think it was. They forced you to retire as a captain. Oh. Good but pension, though. About good pension. That's why he lives in Mallorca with a little boat. But um, well, no, no but I mean, you know, in all seriousness, you, you know, you you are responsible for three hundred lives at a time. You know, if you're flying an Airbus or whatever. He's got a big family. He's nearly responsible for that amount of people. Anyway. <laughs> True. <laughs> so he's, he's got, got growing. Yeah. That's good why ho- he's done his pilot's Good holidays license. for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap holidays. Yeah. Yeah. He needs. A, he Concession. needs a Boeing 747. We, we loved it. As a, as, a, as a stepson of a captain, we used to sleep up in the tail of the 747s. There were bunk beds up there with the stewardesses, which sometimes was just fine. And, um, you know, in the cockpit pre 9 11, we'd, we'd be in there, it'd be like, oh, press that. What does Pressing that do? Buttons, what does this do? What does that do? Uh, you know, cool. obviously, life has changed now since, yeah. since then, but it's, it is an amazing lifestyle. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, it's 40 slowly. You know, I've probably got like three years, two years left mm. in the body. Um, something to look forward to after it, you know. Can you fly the boys from Salford down to, to Catalan and to Toulouse? Uh, I can be first officer. I can't be command pilot. I could be first officer. <laughs> I can't be the command pilot. I'm interested in that point, you know, where people get to where you got to, mm. where you start yeah. going, shit, right. I need to get stuff going here. Because yeah. I think... It, it, it can never be too early when it comes to you, but it can be too late. Yeah. And, and I think the NRL does a great job at retraining athletes and, and players. And I think we're starting to do it, but it's a lot of personal responsibility on getting it right. Mm. But I'm always encouraged when people, I think we need to talk about more with that moment where it happens. It yeah. can be injury, it can be well, you, but you not said, being selected. He, Elijah said yeah. the NRL helped him. I mean, yeah, tell, yeah, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but the, the you know, Super League, do, there's do. no, do they? Is there sort of is, the is measures there, that goes around all the clubs? <clears throat> discussing you know career pathways when you finish it probably not as in depth and as rigorous as the NRL I must say but mm. there are steps in place And but at the end of the day it's up to the player to choose to do yeah, something if you yes. can't be asking on a play yeah. Xbox all day well just yeah. do that and that, that's where you've got to commit to something yeah. whatever it is in life if you want to do it you commit to it and yeah. then it's hard work mm. it's, it can be boring yeah. it can be tedious 
But all those things are just designed to like wheedle out like the people who aren't going to stick at it for long enough anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So if you just stick at it and, yeah. and, and commit to something, then the reward is is at the end. But there's just yeah. not a lot of people. You know, the the realization when you want to do something like that is once you start to do it, it's so easy to stop mm. because yeah. it's tough or because yeah. of the workload right. and whatnot. And I think it's, you know, it's credit to you, mate, that you, 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 you hey, stuck hey, that don't, don't knock the Xbox. There are kids out there well, earning £900,000 yeah. for winning the World Cup on FIFA. Yeah. And How things, many? You know? Ten. Well, yeah. you know. Got to be the best. If you want to be the best, you got to back yourself, haven't you? And look, and, and if Elijah <laughs> doesn't work out as a as a, a commercial airline pilot, then he could be a rapper because he's got a, a rap career going as well. And <laughs> is that true? Who is that true? And the, and, the, and then you got the crypto. You got the crypto. There's a little mole at Salford that says you're a decent rapper. He said that. Is that not true? What's that? The rapping stuff. Oh, you can spit a few bars. No, no, I ain't got bars. I ain't got bars. No, it's only just a hobby. Just a hobby. But um. Have you been talking to Kevin Brown? Hey, no, look no. at this guy here. He's, oh, he's the no. Salford. I'm not a crypto billionaire, but by no means. <laughs> have you been no talking to Kevin? A guy Brown. with a bad shoulder might have said that you're into your crypto and you're a decent rapper. Crypto? I like, like it. You've got, you got all areas covered here. When did the crypto stuff start? Uh, that started when I first got here. So I got here and um, the boys were into crypto and I was just like, oh, what's, what's this? And then went down the rabbit hole as you do on YouTube yeah. and then um, just find out that the governments can't, the banks can't touch yeah, yeah. it. It's an insane world, cryptocurrency, isn't it? Really? I do, can, speak, can you explain it to me? Well, you, Elijah, you explain it to John. The, the banks can't. Well, well, so like, no, cryptocurrency is a digital currency, yeah. So I can send XRP to New Zealand, say $10,000, $50,000 worth of XRP to New Zealand in about three seconds. Yeah. Their money's been transferred for free. No banks involved, no fees, no waiting three days. That's the power of the blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can't, it can't be hacked. So if you try and do that through a bank, they're going to fee you, they're going to charge you. It's going to mm -hmm. take five working days. When the money lands in New Zealand, the, their bank's going to charge you. They're going to charge their fee. So like it's it's definitely going to change the world. But you're, you're essentially buying kind of invisible digital coins. Yeah, digital asset. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So um, yeah, it went down. Risk. It comes with a massive risk, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But you know, you see the Federal Reserve; they're just printing money out of thin air, constantly printing yeah. money, and it's not backed by gold. That's why inflation yeah. is is going crazy right now because it's but not. That, it's, that's what fascinates me about crypto is it, it questions the whole concept of the physical cash yeah it? the financial of, and now we don't really live in a physical cash world even more so after covid where it's a case of like okay well you're saying that that money that bit of paper with the queen's face on it is worth that well i'm telling you that this shit mustard colored couch that we're sitting on is worth eighty-five thousand pounds what are you going to tell me yeah, that's, the, that that's the concept of it. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> what is it where people are buying like parts of a sports game like one of our bakers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I've heard this. One yeah, of our digital. bakers has bought a digital racehorse. Yeah. Non-fungible. <laughs> non yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he bought a digital Why not? But that's the whole point, John. It questions, the, it questions everything that we well, George, have been brought up to think of this, valuable. NFTs, George Williams did something with a shirt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I remember no, you that, can't yeah. be, that's it. You could, you could, you could buy a, uh, exactly, you could buy a, a dog racing track in a digital computer game. How much do you want to pay for it? 15 grand? It's yours. 16 is yours. It's great. It, 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 it's, it, that's, that, is that where we're going, do you think, with crypto and digital investments? I think it's definitely going to change the world how the internet changed. When the internet came, it changed the world. Yeah. Like, Gmail, emails, everything. Mm. 
put put a lot of things out of business you know crypto is going to change the world like as soon as it gets mainstream which it slowly is i don't think there's any stopping it because slow it down a little bit because our economy is actually just purely built on banking in london isn't it Mm. at the minute yeah so let's not slow down our economy anymore let's not don't try and get a mortgage now, I tell you. It's just an inflation. The inflation's just going crazy because yeah. they're just printing money. Keeping COVID's printing changed money. a lot of that, hasn't it? And like, yeah, it's interesting you say all true. the timing of these yeah. things has come around that period of COVID. And, you know, I know a lot of people have been going, going to stocks and shares and trying, just trying to, to have a little side you hustle. You did double, didn't you? Well, we didn't do too well, did we? Um, look, let's get deeper than crypto. Um, and let's talk about your faith, if you will, with us. Because look, you're talking to three people who would walk into a church or a cathedral and we would catch fire. Um, because of how we well, behave. Well, I think yeah. we'd all agree. We just that. heat up a little we bit. Just, we don't need to, you know, to give more evidence. We just agree on that, shall we? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah what <laughs> He's fine. Yeah. I'm and you're fine so as well. Fine. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm genuinely serious about this because um, it's a huge part of your life and we absolutely respect that. So, so wh- where does that, that come from, your faith? How important is it to you? How, how did it come into your life? So someone shared, uh, Jerome Ropati shared the gospel to me. Um, shared the... Back in 2013, um, yeah, he shared the word of God with me, and I was convicted of you know all my sins and, and what I've done wrong in my life. And he was, the gospel says that you will be judged according to what you have done here, and that really scared me, and that really um, made me uncomfortable. And um, so I just kept reading the word, and um, and then he was saying, yeah, "There's a savior. There's, that's why Jesus Christ came to save you from." your sins so when you you can spend eternal life uh with them when you pass away but um and if you don't accept them well then you're separated from god when you pass away in a place of torment and anguish so it was was quite deep so excuse my ignorance before that it wasn't in your life it was this one moment no not at all turning to god i was teammates i was your average footy player like um setting goals trying to play my best footy every weekend, week out, um, focused on myself. You know, I was, I just worried about myself. I was heaps selfish, heaps greedy, heaps everything. Um, but when, you know, when you hear the gospel, um, it convicted me of a lot of things. And it was really uncomfortable. Like I remember f- having that feeling. I was sort of like, man, this is, this is awkward. Um, but then when you come to the realization that the consequences of not, so it was like an, an awakening and a, like a, was, a was moment. That, yeah. Was that instant as well? You no, know, nah, there was an instant. I doubted it. I went down the rabbit hole yeah. so many times in religion, yeah. the history of the church. Um, then you just go down another rabbit hole, like the Big Bang and how we're taught that everything was created from nothing. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and so I just kept reading, keep reading the word. Um, and yeah, and Timothy it talks about you know, people will be lovers on themselves. They'll be greedy. They'll be um, there'll be a lot of jealousy. There'll be strife, anger, malice, um, and that's today's culture. We live in today's culture of and, and, exactly and the that. Way, the way you're talking there would 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 the Elijah Taylor of three years before that moment have have looked at someone like you talking like you are and thought and been skeptical? I think you're an idiot. I think. What are you talking about? You sound like a space kid. Mm. I honestly think if I saw myself talking like that, I would was it right place, to... right time? Is when you needed it in your life? Uh, nah, no. I was playing good footy. I was you know, playing for the international squad. I was, 
I thought I was in, in control of everything. I was. Um, and home life was good at this stage. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Like, because yeah. quite often people find faith after a big event. Yeah, that, I that remember hurt, hurt, again. Yeah. We talk about Sonny. He he had some trials and tribulations in his life, and then a friend of his kind of gave him the option of kind of when you look of Islam and, and and this faith, and it was what he needed in his life to. You probably know better than me mm. to kind of get, get him back on the straight and narrow and kind of. Reevaluate. Israel Falau was the same, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, I yeah. think. Yeah. When it's it's interesting though. But if I imagine at the stage where you're listening to all these words, and you strike me as a really analytical guy, like you've gone into detail about crypto. You know, you can get into a topic and go hard on it. But when you hear words that, you know, I know this might sound like I'm really belittling how it is, but mm-hmm. you know, you've listened to a song and there's a lyric in it, and you go holy shit, like that just resonates with me or it makes sense to you straight away. Mm-hmm. Or you, you you read a book and there's an element of it that just immediately clicks, you know, with how you feel. Is that how you felt when it came to reading? Uh, no, it was more more my sin that, that uh, when you look at the world and how corrupt it is and how like evil, like what's wrong with the world today? Like, what of what the Bible says it's sin and every human heart um, contains sin and that's where our jealousy strife anger malice greed um, lust lustful thoughts that's where it all comes so from it was a, it was a realization heart. of the things that you'd done a realization that that's what I am like, yeah that's that's exactly my heart my intentions before coming to know the Lord was that was mm. be greedy be selfish get as much money as I can, um, think about myself, uh, you know, lusting, everything. Um, that's uh, really interesting that you say that because, and you quite rightly say, you know, we live in a world now where we... That's normal. Like, everybody calls that's a normal... Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's, but it's as, year, as the years go by, it, it's more cruel, it's more critical, it's more questionable. So does that have its challenges in terms of your relationship with God? The, the world that we're in I mean it uh, for, and I know we, we develop and grow as human beings and adults but the world 10 years ago wasn't as fucking mental as it is now yeah it's uh I don't know like it's uh what well, so sorry what was the question again no it's in like because you, you said it's a cruel it's a it's a it's a critical it's a it's a troll cultured world it's a cancel world yeah. so do, does that have its challenges in terms of your relationship with God which is which is as you said only started in 2013 no not, not at all um, not at all. I've, uh, you know, still playing footy. I'm still um, been able to live my life. Um, I've still raising a, a lovely family. Um, hasn't really affected it. How to, how to have you changed since you found found faith? Have you been more caring towards other people, more giving no, of your time and money? What's my thoughts? My my the intentions of my heart. Why do I think the way I think? Like when you, when you sin, you've thought about the sin. So it starts in the in, in the way you think. So transforming the way you think. The Bible always talks about transforming your heart, softening your heart, um, and the way you you think about certain things. Like before I came to faith, you know, I was a footy player. I thought about, you know, everything. But the more you read the Word and you spend time in the Word. Uh, the more you uh, changes the way you your heart and changes the way you think about things. 
But, but what you absorb is what you are, isn't it? Essentially, if you yeah, go around true. having meaningless sex and you, you're on social media or you're watching porn and you're doing all these, whatever, what, what you absorb on a daily basis is what you become, essentially, eventually, isn't it? Yeah, eventually. So, so you, you have to check your life completely so change in terms of your... more, more, more for, for, uh, fulfilling stuff. Mm. If you sponge up shit, you, you, you're a shit. 100%. Yeah, but it's definitely. so hard in the modern world, like definitely. because it's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, everyone's like obsessed with ego, self-interest. Yeah, like everyone's greedy. Everybody's yeah self-centered. Mm. You know how many people are genuinely kind to people anymore? Like really 100%. kind to yeah. people. Just be nice to people. Like, and I think that's religion is 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 a, an amazing way to just reconnect with humanity, like how we are with each other. Like, and we 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 we've become more connected than ever, but more isolated and more distant from each other mm. through technology, 100%. through everything. Without a doubt. And we need to like f remember the human side of, mm. of the modern world. Like, mm. There's wars, there's COVID, there's like all these things like, and it's in an unprecedented sort of weird time. But I genuinely believe the only way through it is kindness to yeah. each other. Yeah. You know? Mm. Jerusalem's on your bucket list. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a lovely place to visit. Um, <laughs> Egypt, I was talking to John before, like everything's just a stone throw away. Like it's not even far. You're going to do it while Italy. you're in this part of the world? I'd, I'd like to, um, depending on COVID, depending on a lot of things. Um, he's, been tra he's been trapped in, COVID trapped him. He's not had a chance to do any traveling. Yeah. That'll happen. I don't think, he, I think even for an agnostic, or, I, mean, I don't know what we are. Are we agnostic? Are we atheists? I don't Let's not even go into that. But I think even for someone who, who's not of faith, it would be a fascinating place to go, Jerusalem. Yeah, it's a lot of history, a lot of history in that um, world history. In that city, um, you know, a lot of religions, you know, Judaism, Muslims, uh, oh, sorry, Islam, uh, Christianity, they all stem from uh, Jerusalem. So now it'd be a pretty cool city to visit. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that if I get yeah. the opportunity. I want to get into a topic with you, and I'm aware that we haven't got too long left. Um, and, and, and if you don't want to talk about this, you'd have to talk about it. That's this. cool. That's yeah. Cool. It, I mean, it's out there. Everyone knows yeah, about yeah. it. And it's all over the papers. And it was a while ago now. And actually, and I'm not making this about me, but I have an identical story to this, which is oh, quite interesting. Yeah. But I want to hear your side of it. Yeah, yeah, cool. um, so it, for those who don't know, in, in, in 2021, so last year as we record this, you discovered that your then player manager, yeah. a guy called Ian Miles, who probably when I say his name, you shudder a little bit because I know certainly the guy Sorry. that was involved with my story if he said his name I'd be yeah. um, a guy that, this is different to me that you thought of like a father figure and, and had been in your life a long long time had essentially stolen misappropriated around £200,000 from your personal account from your business account over the course of your career J just before we get into the kind of feelings and the emotions behind that j just sort of set the scene of how that happened so I knew him, I was 16 years old at the Warriors, I think, 16. Um, built a great relationship over the years. Um, he had worked with you know, some young Crusaders lads. The Crusaders is a rugby union team, Super 15 team back in Z. Uh, he had worked with Olympic athletes, rowers, Storm Udu, uh, Peter Taylor, they're Adam Hall, um, they're Olympians from New Zealand, they're rowers. Um, and I just built up a really good relationship with him. Um, he had, you know, history in sport, like, my background, like, I don't come from much, you know, no one's gone to uni in my family, like, no one's, like, like, didn't have much growing up at all. And so when I saw him and, like, 
I met him and I met the athletes, I met the Crusader players, I met the Olympians. And I was thinking, you know, this is this guy's my ticket out of here kind of thing, like to change my circumstances the way I was, the way I was brought up so I could hopefully, you know, um, look after my family one day. So from like 2007, or eight, seven, all the way up to 2016, like we built a really strong relationship, like really strong. I'd, I'd text him, call him every day. Um, you know, if I didn't make an international team, like I'd ring up crying. If I did, got dropped from first grade, I'd ring up crying. Like after the game, I can't sleep. I'll give him a call. We just talk about family. We talk about, you know, that relationship on that level. So a lot of people don't understand the the context of the relationship and why I let him access my um, bank accounts. So um, yeah, moved to Penrith. Um, we had a joint account. I gave him access to it just to help me save. Um, Give me financial advice, uh, just help me make you know, correct financial decisions. Because obviously I, I come from a background where none of that was, you know, we're just living check to check pretty much. Um, so I thought, yeah, no, nah, I'm in good hands here. So I just got a budget of four grand a, a month just to stick to. Um, and I was happy with that. I decided on that. I was like, yeah, I'll pay my rent, get my food, and just focus on my footy. It's probably the first time disciplines actually cost me. Because like, I'm not a punter. I hardly went out with the boys. Probably never went out with the boys. And I just focused on playing footy the best I could. Like, every weekend, week out for Penrith. And I didn't... So I got my four grand in the rest. Supposed to go to mortgages and investments. And I didn't look at that. I just focused on my yeah. keeping my budget, stay focused on it, stay focused on it. And uh, yeah, 2016, um, got a letter from the people who had the mortgage with, and they were saying you're behind in payments, and I was just like, no way. And then went to the bank. You know those days in your life where you will never forget that day. <laughs> yeah, that's a day I'll never forget. 2016, uh, December 27. And just went to the bank and just saw all the transactions that were going out to his account onto his holidays, bro. Let's go back. Let's go back to that day because you say all those transactions. For those who don't know, and I don't think Mark and John know, nine hundred and thirty-seven unauthorized transactions from your business account, um, and this was all found out by New Zealand High Court. And, and what's so disgusting about all of this? And nothing would be right, but you know what makes it worse? I imagine is that it was it was spent on overseas holidays yeah. for this guy, gifts for his wife, motorbikes, clothes, furniture. I find this so infuriating and, yeah. and I'm so angry. Mm. I, I know ET a little bit, but listening to that, I'm, I'm so angry listening to that. What, what, were, the, what were the emotions? Because, I mean, it's the first thing, betrayal, that you think of. Disbelief. I didn't believe it. Like, I just saw the transactions. I was like, nah, no way. No way you'll do this. No way. No way. Um, and just kept seeing another transaction for like 20 grand onto, dragged into his account and I was just like <laughs> couldn't believe it couldn't believe it and then um, just saw the total figure when they printed out all the transactions and I was just like wow what just happened and the crazy thing is like I cut access to the cards to the, his online banking haven't heard from him since because you'd given him permission and you essentially yeah. had a joint account. Yeah. And, um, and again, this is something I know a lot about. Mine, yeah. was, mine was through a trust and the person who was a trustee. 
wow. was doing exactly what, what wow. this guy was doing. But for you, Elijah, it took four years to, to get justice. Yeah. And for those listening now, they might be thinking like, oh, thank God he got justice. And he did, and he won in a high court. However, same story as me. The yeah. guy claimed bankruptcy. So you haven't to this day had a penny back? Nothing, nothing back. Um, yeah, and I've tried all avenues. Um, and it's just crazy how the how the law system works, how the justice system works, um, especially in New Zealand. Like, people are getting sent to jail for picking undersized seafood. Like, mm. they're getting, like, two months in jail for picking illegal seafood. And for some blokes just stole 450000 from you, proven in court. Like, you, it's not an accusation, had, it's proven, and he gets nothing. Have you had any communication with him? Obviously, he's still alive, this guy, as well. But, you know, has he nah. shown any remorse to you at all? No, nah, none, none at all. He not nothing, not tried to contact you at all. No, as soon as, as soon as the bank account and online banking got cut, like I cut it on that day. From talking to him every day, calling him to nothing. What about those emotions then that you went oh, through? Well, that's what I want to ask John. Is, is, is how do you? Because again, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but I'm, just, I'm so angry for you because it's happened to me as well, and it happened. This happens to. Lots of people. This isn't a unique story. I know. Story. That, that's, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, I we'll thought, talk about it afterwards. I mean, yeah, I don't want yeah. to bore people with my story. But uh, w with you, um, do you then find yourself more suspicious around people and you don't trust people? Definitely, like, without a doubt. Um, and the only remedy I could find, because Barry used to beat me up, the more I thought about it, the more I, just talking about it... Um, kind of got you down and like ruined your day kind of thing if you yeah. if I thought deep about it and and the only thing I could come up with was, was forgiving him like was your, did your faith kick in then yeah a little, a little I de definitely did but just you know the moment you just let it go and just go okay man like that's it like and that, that's not a, that's not something that's you not hard to do oh the, sorry that's that's yeah, extremely that's hard to do, to do. that's yeah. that's bro like um but like that was the sense of relief I was looking for. Was just saying, look, I forgive you. Go my own way now. It can, it can take you down that oh, sort of stuff. Definitely, if you carry that with definitely, you. Definitely, yeah, man. It's got the potential oh. to ruin you more than financially, oh, hasn't it? Hundred percent. I'm 38. I've carried it with me to this yeah. day. You know, that's no, seriously. Yeah. I mean, and, and and what I want to get on with you, and that's a great question, Joe. So don't let me interrupt that question. But right. there was the fake extortion video as well, which became a part of your story where you know, oh, yeah, that's right. yeah. well yeah but it was this was video crazy. and I, we watched it well, I watched it before today to, yeah. I mean it looks so sort of like theatrical and kind of oh, weird no. and this guy saying Jason whatever it looks so fake and so on but then you were embroiled in all of that as well having to deny yeah. that you were about to stab this guy with a Stanley knife in a car yeah. people watch it and they take it as truth don't they that's what happens in this definitely, society today definitely. and you then had to sort of prove that that wasn't you with him uh, it was uh and that's the thing about the criticism back home. Like, Fox Sport, they actually ran it as if... Yeah. As if it was a real story. Is there not a legal yeah, case there? Like, is, there not like a def is that not defamation in, in Australia? Uh, no, they, they run that sure. like it was you, you know, people yeah, watching well, that would take that face know. value like you were about to stab someone. That would, that would really? do that over here. People run stories like that. Not with, no, not with no proof that it wasn't I don't him. Know, it was absolutely... I don't know. Defamation, yeah, so. it? Keep calling them Jess. That's not a nickname of yours, is it? What's that? Jess. No. no. Oh, I, I don't know. What was that like? The, when the, the, guy, the victim did, in the did video would kick out saying, no, Jess. And did you see that for the first time on telly? No, no, no. Um, I was actually in Cowra, like doing my flight training at flight school. And one of the boys sent me the video on the WhatsApp. And I was just like, 
what's this? Is it a stitch up? And then dead set, like five minutes after that, my phone just started going, like heaps of media people just started calling. Is there any truth to this? Like, is this true? Bro, they know it's not true, but they just ran it just to, for the clicks, for the views. And have, the, you, have you made peace with it? Yeah, I've, I've had to. Like, because if I didn't, I would just be like, man, I've got to get him back. I've got to get him mm. back. Like, he owes me. He owes me. I've got to get him back. Because that's, that's the way you start thinking. Mm. But legally, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. So, so I'll, I'll let you into just a tiny bit of my, with my situation. And this is where you're a better man than I am. Because I, I looked at the guy who did it to me. And it was, you know, not that, not that the amount of money is a thing. But so it, was it was three it was, or four. It was your dad that passed away. And yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was his accountant, wasn't he? And, and, and it was three or four wow. times that amount of money. And, and I was wow. supposed to have it when I was 18. And, um, and uh, anyway, he, he tucked it away in professional fees. And I'm sure, like, you know, just kept silent and whatever, a bit like your, your guy did. And then um, I remember seeing him outside. And I won, like you, I won in court. And I spent another £80,000 in court, which he was supposed to pay in fees, which I never got back on top of that. And then I remember seeing him and I said, look, before, for me, it's not about the money. You've hurt my family. You've hurt my mum. She cries every night um, because she tried to turn her against me and all this sort of stuff. And um, or me against her in that sense. I mean, he ended up killing himself the next day. I said, and I, but, but I remember saying to him, before you kill yourself, because I know this is what you're going to do, tell me where the money is in terms of you know, easing the, the, the pain on what you've caused. And he, and he jumped on the, the Victoria line in front of a tube one morning and killed himself. So, you wow. know, and, I'll, and I'll never know where that money is to this day. That's crazy. But, and I haven't made peace with that. So I'm interested, it's, it's interesting yeah. that Mark said, has your faith helped you in that sense of actually come to ease with, you know, to get rid of that anger? Because I have a lot of anger in my life which comes from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's... Um that was the only solution I could find. Like, cause I went down the rabbit hole, everything, like justice system, everything, like as you do, like if someone rips you off that bad, you just, mm. you're looking for something. And um, I was just coming to a dead end. Like I went to the police and the police were like, oh, he's a bit old, we're not gonna do anything. Like, he's, he hasn't been in trouble before. And in my mind, I'm thinking, bro, he stole 450,000 from me and you're not gonna do anything. And the police were like, nah, we won't do anything. And he's still and out there, a bit like the Tinder swindler. He, you know, he's still there. He could be doing this to the to the exactly. Young, and I said that to them as well, and they were like, "It's just not worth it. It's just not worth the um, well, the financial fees of for the, the police or something like that." So yeah, that was discouraging. And like, I went down all these avenues, and I was like, my head was falling off every week at training. I wasn't playing first grade for Tigers, which was making it worse. I was studying at the same time, and I was just like, I've just got to let this go. Like, I've I've got to. Just let this go. And the only thing I could find was forgiveness. Just yeah. Russell Packer actually, uh, Rusty Packer. So he went through a lot. He, yeah, he went to jail. He had yeah, he went to jail. Yeah. And um, after he went to, he served his sentence. I don't know if I should, actually. Um, like he said, so he got took, taken to court after he went to jail by the person he hurt, and then he had to pay like half of his contract to the person he hurt, and he was just saying as soon as I just let him go, like mm. stop fighting, just stop. He said his life was so much better. Mm. And then I just thought of that and I was like, I've tried everything. I've just got to let it go, man. I think the sad, the sad thing for me in it all is trust in it. You know, when yeah, you implicitly yeah. trust somebody, yeah. mm. you know, and, and, and we all want to trust people around us. Don't you, you do, it's human nature. You, you want to trust people around you. But when somebody betrays your trust, who's that close to you, 
Mm. It's like, it's scary, isn't it? And, and you know what the thing is? It's money. Money fucks people. Yeah, 100%. Money is the problem. Like, if you see families and they're negotiating over probate over a will, you see families disintegrate over money. Yeah. Right. They'll stand across a room and not speak to each other because of money. But it's the co- what, does, what does it get you? It gets you a slight, another bedroom in your house, a slightly better car. It's, yeah. it's the, the, the world's... Re- um, perception of money is so far above what it actually is mm. you don't get that much more enlightenment and enjoyment out of mm. falling out with family or no. take, like taking the piss out of a vulnerable young rugby league player you put loads that, of time that, and effort the, in that's exactly what I was just, thinking he's, he, a, a guy who's obviously very switched on mm. academically but not from a probably a background where your family are financially nah, savvy you can help and all, advise bro. you not at all. he's someone who's pride on a young professional athlete whose dreams of just playing rugby and, and providing for his family and it's just fucking disgusting it's the, it's we, the sorry, embar- were you embarrassed about it? yeah yeah because yeah. a lot of the boys were just like stitching me up yeah. like, bro you dumb you dumb yeah. why don't you check your bank account like yeah. why would you do that yeah. and that's why I broke down the context before I explained yeah, the story yeah, yeah. because I was like bro like we had a relationship where it was like my dad yeah um so once you understand the context of like 11 years of relationship, mm. eight years of relationship, then you understand why I gave him access to my account. Yeah. That's what I, makes it so, it's, it's the, the personal side of it, the fact that you were so close to him, but also the fact that he's still alive. I mean, I have a certain level of peace with the fact that my guy's not doing that to someone, but this Ian Miles could be doing this to the next young up and coming rugby league player and, yeah, and swindling be, someone else as we speak. People yeah. like that, they, that's how they work, isn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? They're, 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 they're yeah. unbelievable at developing rapport and building relationships. Yeah. They have to be to yeah. get that far into your skin that oh, no. you can't see yeah. what they're actually about. What's like the, the ultimate manipulative behavior but, isn't and, it? and in hindsight i look back at the, some of the things that he was telling me and yeah. i was just like wow well, it's like a shakespeare it's like othello it's getting like, in wow. uh, iago getting in a third well, it is, no, it's, 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 it's like brilliant. getting someone Come on. trusting someone getting in someone's ear it yeah. is it's, it's iago just, into othello it's exactly that. that look we've only got 10 minutes left and there's people looking at us thinking we should have finished two hours ago so um, right, i want to just wrap up really and we could have done we could have done two hours on that really we should have done really because it's just oh it makes my blood boil it's really interesting let's find ian miles everybody you should never be ashamed of being trusted because that's a really good part of your character is being like warm and open and trusting someone yeah it's just the thing that gets me is like just being so disciplined and like not going out with the boys, just yeah. not going out for coffees in between lunch, just mm. saving money, thinking I've got to save money, got to save money. I've got to focus on just keeping my budget and then, mm. you know, I'll be all right after 40. Yeah. Well, and uh, for, for you, it's there, it's on Google, you know, my story's not out there, you know, it's there, yeah. it's there. there's a constant reminder of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, right, oh, it's, it's so painful really to, and it, cause, cause it's not about money and it's the same, I'm sure it's the same with you. I know you've, you've come from a background where the money was huge and it was, and obviously to me that was massive as well, but it's the principle of the story yeah. that's yeah. more painful. But life's chaos, right? Mm. Yeah. Life's just chaos. Yeah. You make, you do all these things in life to make it organized and structured and, and all of that, but life will throw chaos in your way at some stage and then your ability and you're defined as a, as a, as a human by your ability to overcome the chaos or to exist in the chaos and feel fine about it yeah. I think everybody in life whatever you do is going to have some sort of curveball or chaos thrown at them like me and Mark just yeah. been through Covid with our business mm. yeah. it's, it was chaos flash wasn't it yeah. oh, two years two yeah. years of 
fucking chaos. Yeah. Like, will you, you know, we, we've all experienced it in some ways, but I think the measure of you is how you overcome it. Yeah. And I think... Or well, how you react to it. Is well, forgiveness and making peace yeah. with things is really yeah. interesting. I think yeah. making peace with something is like... And put it in a rugby context, character is, I think, your character comes out after you lose rather than you win. And that's the same for life, isn't it? Yeah. How, how, how you deal with something awful like that mm. is, is your true character rather than when times are good and you kind of, you can yeah. enjoy yourself or you can rest on your laurels. That, that's all, that doesn't matter. Let, let's just wrap up with talking about, a bit about Salford and of course about, you know, your future with playing for New Zealand as well. Because, I mean, was that a catalyst in you leaving the NRL and coming to, to Super League? Uh, that incident? So COVID hit and I was off contract. I think I played like 80% of the games for Tigers. And I was coming off the bench too. Um, and I was studying as well. So I was like, man, um, should I stay, should I go? And there weren't many NRL opportunities. And then uh, I was kind of hoping of getting some money back from the court, from the court case. Mm -hmm. And then that was gonna be my footy done. And, but that didn't happen because he yeah. declared bankruptcy. And so I was like, okay, I'll come Salford, ripping for as hard as I can and represent the club as, as well as I can to the best of my ability because that's all I can do. Um, and yeah, that's how I ended up here. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do uh, at our club, but you know, we've got some good signings. And I think the future's bright if we just keep working hard at training and uh, being disciplined at training, um, things will turn around. What was that like, come on, be honest, coming from the beautiful Sydney? You know, you've been at West Tigers, Mark, you've been over there, and then suddenly you're in, you're in Salford Precinct. You know, the Salford, you've been in the Salford Precinct and you're looking at anything, where's Harrods? I can't quite see it yet. There's Poundland, there's Card Factory, there's great shops. Great factory. You know, it's, it's slightly different. Slightly yeah, different, yeah, Salford. It's not Manchester, it's Salford. Slightly different. Very, yeah. I, I think the north of England is very similar to New Zealand. Very similar. People are very similar. Very weather, similar. weather, the old vibe, very similar. And yeah, farmlands, yeah. like just out the city. It's very similar. Like culture's very similar as well. Um, it's heaps chill, and I kind of enjoyed getting away from Sydney from the pressure um, that the NRL brought. Over here, there's no pressure. Like, mm. if I, you know, if I have an average game, I'm not going to get cooked mm. in the papers. Or I'm not going to get chopped up, yeah, you know, on the television at seven o'clock. Um, you can just. But you, but you have your other pressures because you're the captain now, aren't you, as well? And obviously, you know, even the time you've been here, you've lost a coach in, in Richard Marshall. Paul Rowley's come in, who was just before you at Toronto, I think, wasn't he? Paul yeah, Rowley? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Mark, you know Paul Rowley? Yeah. Um, but there's that pressure in the sense, and you felt the pressure when you were at Salford as well. And you guys did an unbelievably to get to a Challenge Cup final and to get to a grand final, which you were punching above your weight. But those Salford fans are very expectant, even though they you know, perhaps shouldn't be in terms of where they think they, they should be punching with. In, I, in the I think Salford fans are, are expectant and of, of attitude and effort. That's it. As long as, you, as long as you deliver on the pitch, and I know Elijah does for the way he plays, as long as you deliver effort and give it your all for the shirt, they're not bothered enough. Probably most rugby league clubs are the same, but um, yeah, th probably the three of us as well. You, you put more pressure on yourself and your own performance than than fans and TV yeah, critics might do anyway. So yeah. uh, it's just that external noise that, that's, that's much better in the UK to to kind of concentrate on your game. Mm. Yeah, are, you, are you a full? Are you a full captain? Because Mark was a, I was you, a 50, third, fifty percent. 
Was it? Was it probably forty nine? Yeah, forty nine percent. Lee Mossop uh, was was kind yeah, of yeah. Honestly, uh, like Sneedy, bro, he's a good player, man. He should <laughs> like, he should have had some time in the NRL. Um, kicking game, yeah, awesome kicking game. I ain't yeah. seen anything like it. He's an older blood like me, you see. So yeah, we yeah, both got good like kicking just, games. Yeah, <laughs> just heat smart, heat smart. Um, yeah, he does most of the talking. Obviously, the halves do most of the talking, especially in the game. Mm. Like when you're in the middle and you're in the third man washing machine. Like you ain't got much yeah. to say because you're tired. <laughs> you just can't see. Yeah, yeah. Think. yeah. And just your head's tackle around, tackle around, tackle around. And um, like they do most of the talking, like, and that's cool with me because I just got to focus on making sure my efforts are, are proper and I'm doing the best my job as I can and making sure I lead my teammates. But you've been pleasantly surprised by Super League, as you said that first game. You were like, "Wow, okay, I wasn't expecting this." Yeah, that the the atmosphere, the attitude, the physicality, yeah. everything. Probably not really what you thought. Little old Super League when you were smashing it up in the NRL. No, I didn't think Little Old Super League. Like I know a lot of players that came here and they they said, yeah, yeah the footy's cool. It's a lot more attacking uh, football compared to NRL, where NRLs focus on complete sets, complete sets, complete sets, kick long, wait for them to make a mistake. Where over here, it's like if it's on shift, doesn't matter what time on the game it's on or throw the offload. Whenever it doesn't you know, matter what context or where you are on the field, just throw it, um, and that's. It's kind of a relief. You're not stuck into getting to points. You're not fixated on you've got to get to the near post or you've got to get to the 50 and play the ball as quick as you can to get mm. that ruck speed. Like over here, it's like you can crab across the field, roll a short board, hit a hole. Like it's just so different compared to uh, the way they play, the way they think about mm. the footy is different between NRL and Super League. A couple more bits of rugby league before we finish. Planning on staying? Thought about it yet? Like to stay? Yeah, Want to go like back to Australia? Want to go back to New Zealand? I'd love to stay with my family. My family love it here. Um, yeah, I'd love to stay here in Super League. I, um, you know, but 40 is 40. Like anything can happen. Um, as you said before, coaches can change. Like anything can happen. Like in rugby league. So uh, I'll just be content with whatever happens. There's a lot of great airlines based in Manchester. Yes, You've got Jet Two, EasyJet, Ryanair, yeah, BA. Ryanair, BA. Plenty of options for you, Elijah. Yeah, so. I think he's yeah. thinking away from the budget. Yeah. He's thinking more Qantas and yeah, British just, just thinking. I'm just giving him the guy options. Just some options. You got to you got to start alone and work your way up like four <laughs> jobs. So yeah. uh, I don't mind as long as um, yeah, we just got to focus. I just got to focus right now on, mm. on Salford and trying to get some wins on the board as a team because defensively we're inconsistent. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad. Uh, attacking wise, just our execution. I think that that hurts mm. us a lot. We played Cup against Wigan and Wigan two weeks ago. We made 19 errors with the ball. Like, mm. I don't care how good your team is or how fit you are. You're not winning games when you're doing that. Not against Wigan and Wigan. Mm. You, you played uh, in the World Cup for New Zealand over here, 2013, 2017. Plans to be involved this year? Uh, realistic? Realistic, probably not. Just because of the depth back back in NRL. There's so many back rowers, like... Every NRL team's got like it's probably fifty percent Polynesian or fifty percent mm. New Zealander in their in their team, and I'd love to. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to uh, play again, um, and I'll do everything I can to do that. But I just think that like the NRL experience and the youth of building for the next World Cup and building the next uh, group of Kiwi players coming through, I just think that would 
the selectors will go for that. And is that that we were talking about, Mark, in the pub before, weren't we? All that we let our little secret we're in the pub. More than before. ten pints. Oh, we're, we the best, we're the best. Ooh. We're the best. We had a pint. Strong ones. Um, but is that where the New Zealand are now? You know, second in the world behind Australia, better than England. Is it close between England and New Zealand? And, and New Zealand's chances in the World Cup, John, Mark? Yeah, I think Tonga, Australia, New Zealand, England. Not much between them. Well, I think Australia are the best team. Yeah, but I mean the sure. others. Yeah. Yeah, I think New Zealand are the second best team, and then Tonga probably. Ooh, controversial. And then England, it yeah. may be. I don't know. That's Who tough. knows? There's a lot. There's that's a lot tough. about that. Like nobody knows. But that's they? exciting it's for the World Cup. With, with the yeah. ancestry and the, and the heritage in Australia, a lot of players are David Fafita, Jason Tomlin, or two amazing forwards, for instance, have gone to Tonga rather than playing for Australia and New Zealand. So that the the talent's been distributed a little bit throughout the islands and. And, and the Pacific nations, so uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great World Cup. Mm. But yeah. yeah, I think Australia are the team to beat. Yeah, to finish, let's get let's finish deep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me one thing in your life that brings you happiness, and one thing that when you're on your deathbed, you would like to have done. Well, whoa, whoa, wow! First whoa. time you've asked deep. this question. Yeah, holy moly! Oh. So was the first question, sorry? So something in your life that brings you happiness on a daily basis. Something uh, that you think of now that brings you happiness. Brings and something happiness. then when you're on your deathbed yeah. in 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years time that you would like to have done. Uh, brings me happiness is, is knowing the Lord, the Lord, my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that um, he says, oh, the peace I leave you, the peace I give you. And in this world today, like you're always looking for peace. You're always looking for peace or some... Um, calmness to the chaos because life's chaos and um, profound peace is what I get from um, doing his will and reading his word and on the deathbed uh, I'll just be I've never thought of that question to be honest uh, it doesn't have to be something physical yeah. something that you would like to have achieved you know, something you would like to have said something you'd like to have seen done I, don't, I actually don't know. It's probably have never crashed a plane. Might be a good, <laughs> that might have been a good one. Do you know what I mean? Never said mayday. Thank God I've no. never used that. Honestly, honestly, don't know. <laughs> no, I, as long as I, I know that I've given my kids every opportunity um, to uh, be able to do the things that I couldn't or I couldn't afford. I think, you know on my deathbed thinking about that that I've, I've done my best to uh, ensure they've got a shot or mm. ensure they've got a chance um, nice and you can tell he's a great dad yeah he's, he's a great dad that's a dad. mission in itself because he's got he's four great kids dad. Can we there's, push, there's another four to come probably can we put the question back on you no that's not for now because no, we've yeah. been too late you can just ask the questions no, 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 I like that and I'll tell you what one bit of advice don't set up a trust for them and don't let anyone yeah. else control their money for them, Elijah. Yeah, that's true. As, as that that's should be. Don't give your bank account number to anyone. Yeah. I mean, Done. that's a documentary that you need to Done. make in a few years' time about this yeah. guy. Incredible. Listen, mate, thank you so much yeah, for being awesome. so honest, yeah, sharing yeah, some right. unbelievable it's, stories. It's and um, yeah, I hope, I hope everything works out. But let's hope you get to the World Cup. Let's hope all, your, all those dreams come true from, from now on. Uh, and all for all your yeah, four kids that you're living in a flat in Salford with as no well. No worries, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. Thanks, yeah. mate. And look, we need to say also, just before we finish, because no one follows us and I don't like this stuff John as much as you and I can see you yeah. looking at me and judging me but no one follows us on Out no of Your RL us. on Twitter at Out of Your RL on Twitter but the main thing is reviews because reviews keep us going uh, yeah, on, on YouTube so above. subscribe on YouTube subscribe on Apple Podcast even if you just want to say John Wilkin 
is a wanker and leave five stars, that's <laughs> absolutely fine. Going, but yeah. just go for that because yeah. um, otherwise we can't keep going really. And we can't, we, we, you know, we can't justify that we need to keep this going because no one listens to us. It's yeah. all down to yeah. ratings and reviews. Unfortunately, that's the world well. we live in. We do. Yeah. And by the way, next time, Jamie Peacock. Thanks Ooh. to you, Mark. You set that up, didn't you? I did indeed.